PD Raw is a podcast sharing the experiences and insights of people with personality disorders or traits by being brave and talking about the things that are shameful and painful. Humans demystify and destigmatize the things that we hide. The aim of this podcast is to let others know that they are not alone. By showing the reality behind our walls, we hope to bring people closer together, connecting in a more open and authentic way. Please be aware that, due to its topic, this podcast is adults only, not safe for work, and may contain triggering content. Hello, Mould, and welcome to the pod. Hi. <laughs> now, are you happy to share your diagnosis? Ah, uh, yes, I am. So they would be. Um. Well, I have a borderline personality disorder diagnosis. I'm p- uh, diagnosed with PTSD. Um. I'm an ex-anorexic. Um. I am. Like so far, I am diagnosed with uh, narcissistic traits, but I will be in the process of getting diagnosed for NPD and for DID as well. Uh, also, I have ADHD, and I'm pretty certain that I'm autistic. <laughs> <laughs> so that's quite a few. Yep. <laughs> so, did the borderline diagnosis come first? Um. Yeah, I got it when I was like 18. Okay. Did you feel that you had a personality disorder or, or was it a bit of a shock? Um, uh, it, that's a tough question. I, I think it wasn't a shock for me. Um, I knew that something was pretty wrong with me ever since I was like 14 or 15 because uh, at this age I already wanted to go to a therapist, but I couldn't uh, due to my parents. They wouldn't let me. Um, and... So I basically started educating myself uh, about psychology and, and all that stuff because I, desperate, I, I went on a bit of a desperate journey trying to figure out what the fuck is wrong, wrong with me. Um, and eventually I got stuck with borderline because I was like, yeah, okay, I kind of I tick all the boxes of it. And seems like me, seems like me, seems like me. So getting that diagnosis was actually not not a shock for me. So you you um, identify with uh, borderline? You feel that you've got the traits still? Um, yes, I do, but not as pronounced anymore as it used to be, like two two years ago or something like that. Oh, so they've gone down. Ah, uh, yeah, I feel like it. Oh, how did that happen? Actually, I don't know. Like, I went to a uh, DBT therapy, like dialectical behavioral therapy, whatever group. It was a group therapy, um, and that's a, a therapy specifically for borderline people. Um, and I went there for like two years. Uh, we got taught skills and all the stuff, and, and how to Did- communicate better with people and whatever. Uh, and it helped me a fuck ton, like. People, oh yeah yeah pe- people that knew me before I went to that type of therapy uh and 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 who still know me they after a year they they were like well <laughs> you're you're a lot better to be around now 
Wow. So is is there something in there that you really resonate with and you, you go, yes, this really this particular thing really helped or or was it just something that happened that you couldn't really put your finger on? Uh well the thing is um I um I always thought of myself as pretty fucking self-aware. Well, in, in the past year, I had to come to realize that I'm actually not as self-aware as I thought I was. <laughs> um, and so, so, like, I knew a lot about my own problems when it came to borderline, but I just didn't have the puzzle pieces that were needed in order to solve these problems. So it, it pretty much just, like, going to DBT therapy was, like, pieces of the puzzle and then I could just then I went just oh yeah right that was what was missing in order for me to solve the problem so it it really it really helped me a lot. (laughs) What was it like being there with um, other people in the group? Um, Did you get support from them or how did you feel about that? Well I mean we were all sitting in the same boat because all of these people were like having borderline personality disorder. and at first I was pretty skeptical because I was like, well, group therapy, what's that going to do? I mean, a single face-to-face therapy is a lot better uh, because the therapist can, can like, um, damn it, I can't think of the word right now. Yeah, like focus on you and, and really yeah, um, yeah, exactly. yeah, see like, your issues. Yeah, Um so, so I went in there being like, okay, I'm, I'm pretty skeptical, but I'm going to go see what the fuck is going to happen and whether it's going to be helpful for me because, well, can't get any worse at this point. I mean, okay, it could get, it, it could have gotten worse, but whatever. <laughs> um, but, well, it actually ended up being pretty nice. Um, I, I would say it was a very positive experience overall uh, in, in that group. Uh, also because like I was also very socially anxious in the beginning and, and very awkward, um, but that resolved itself pretty much after a bit. Oh. Um, and I, I also feel like I got a lot of supply out of that <laughs> group dynamic. Was it that because you were open about such personal things, then you felt really supported? Um, well, the thing was that group... Uh, had like they they were pretty strict they they had quite some rules and like we had a we had a um it was it was really structured like uh, every uh session pretty much was the same we started with an a mindfulness exercise and then we got like educated about some stuff and we did group work um at some point we also had to do uh had to hold little uh not lectures but um a presentation yeah presentations about feelings <laughs> wow uh, like yeah everybody got to pick a feeling and then they had to hold a presentation about it um how um, many people were in the group we well we started with like probably 12 people and in the end, there were only like four or five. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Because that would have been quite difficult um, to do presentations on emotions. What do you mean with that? 
oh, like, well, I would have found it hard to to kind of, yeah, get up in front of people and talk about something personal like that. Oh, well, well, the thing was that was all part of the of the therapy. Like you, we, we were given these these sheets of we were handed out these sheets of paper where, with with a lot of education about how our emotions work and how each emotion works. Uh, and then we ha- just had to pick one and then we ha- had to hold a presentation about it. And it was like, it was fine. But uh, I've always had a problem with like presenting stuff in front of a, of a group of people. So that was a challenge. But I think it actually was a challenge for everybody in the group. Um, and well, that's one of the things we learned there, I guess. Yeah, because I, I think, because I did a group therapy in my very early twenties. Yeah. And I would have found that very difficult too, but I wonder if going through it and being supported by others and then you supporting others too would change your, the feelings around doing something like that. Yeah, partially, I would say. Partially, yeah, no. Um, but it was it? It did definitely play a role that I knew everybody there had the same problems or similar, similar, similar problems as me, uh, and and people were generally pretty open and positive and supportive. Um, but that was only like half of the cup of tea and the other half was like work I had to do. So what was that work? Um, well, pretty much just challenge myself and challenge my, my own anxiety because I, uh, oh, I remember right now um, when we were first told that we had, uh, that, that everybody had to hold the presentation. I was like, no, I can't do that. I'm, I'm, I'm way too anxious for this. And I'm, I'm, I suck at that and I just can't fucking do it. But um, the two therapists that uh, that were leading the group were like, you have to do it and you have to challenge yourself. And they were uh, supporting all of us throughout it. So, And there were two therapists? Yes. So does that mean that like if one was sick, there was always the constant of having the other one? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Okay. And I'm just thinking that one of the features of borderline is that internal instability and having a really structured, reliable environment really, in my experience, actually allows you to absorb some of that structure and then become more stable. Did you find that at all? Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that that was an experience I had. Like Mm. the, the structure was really good for me. And I've also figured that I, like, if I have an external structure, I generally just work a lot better as a whole person. Oh, me too. But but maybe that's a human thing as well, you know. Yeah, but some people are good at making structure and I'm not. So (laughs) I just, I just attract to them. I'm I'm like, oh, please, me, me. Well, I'm good at coming up with a structure, but I'm, very fucking shitty at actually holding up that structure. <laughs> uh, but are you then very flexible and adaptable? That's what I like to call it. I guess if you want to put it like <laughs> that. <laughs> and can I ask you about the development or do you see any um, 
factors that led to you developing BPD in your childhood? Um, uh, a friend of mine described it once, uh, like, like I told him about my family structures and he described that as that, well, that's a recipe for disaster. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, um, my father was, uh, narcissistic and he was a very, very angry person. Uh, yep. he was very strict and he didn't allow me a lot of things. And my mother, on the other hand, was very, um, she's, how do I put it? She's very OCD. Uh, she's, she's a hypochondriac and she's mm-hmm. uh, paranoid. Um, but she allowed me a lot more than my father did. So I had like these two opposite poles in my family that were called my parents. And I think that pretty much explains it pretty well mm-hmm. <laughs> how I developed that. And isn't it weird how um, NPD and BPD like cycle down through the generations? So, you know, when you have a parent with strong traits of one, then often you have a kid with strong traits of the other. Yeah. Like that, that is so fascinating to me. And, yeah, definitely at my – I've got a, yeah, stepdad who is, yeah, who would fit NPD fairly well and yeah there's definitely traits of narcissism in my family um are there any any borderlines in your family no not that I know of um yeah so I'd be the first one um so I don't know yeah I don't know my dad's side very well at all but yeah definitely that's um, interesting because I knew I, I I know a few borderlines and uh, as far as I know, they none of them has another borderline in their family, but they all have narcissistic parents or whatever other parts of their family. <laughs> oh, wow. It's just, it's so interesting. And then, um, yeah, then I know some people with narcissism who've had borderline mothers. Oh, really? It's like, okay. Yeah, it's like, it's just fascinating. But That's for me, I think what for me it was um that there was a need to have me sort of at the bottom and not functioning very well because then the others could feel better mm. you know like she's quite chaotic and whatever and then that satisfied their need to feel a bit um above that sorry whom are you talking about well i'd say my mum ah yeah yeah and then you know sort of the on that side there was yeah there was some some of that you know having me in that role um but then I've heard that borderlines can you know with that chaos and the need to have a parent come in and provide some stability then you know that kind of a mother will elevate their child and lean on the child to be like the the adult and so then that creates an NPD so yeah (laughs) It's kind of yeah, it's really amazing. Well, not yeah. in a good way, <laughs> <laughs> obviously. But but yeah, it's really fucking interesting. And what you were describing just now, like on the one hand, being at the bottom so someone else can feel better than you, and on the other hand, uh, parents like leaning on you and uh, you needing to be their parent. That's that was definitely both of that was definitely present in my family. Oh, okay. And you felt that burden? Yeah. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. I still so do. you still do. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, so after these two years of DBT, you came out feeling a lot better. Oh yeah, definitely. Okay, but then you've said you you realised you still had other issues. Um. Well, actually, I've like finished DBT just at the beginning of this year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not even been that long. Um, well, yeah, like at, at the end of last year, I started figuring out, oh, shit, maybe I have the ID. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe there's uh, one uh, more than one altar in my in my body or whatever. Um, How do you and- experience um, DID? Uh, what do you mean with that? Yeah, what what were the things that that made you think, oh, I might have this disorder? Uh, well, I've heard of the term structural dissociation for the mm-hmm. first time, some someone last year, and I started educating myself about it because I was like, hmm, that's very interesting. I've actually heard it from someone who has the ID, um, and. Uh, then I found out that borderlines often exp- like there are how do you put it like there are different kinds of structural dissociation and borderlines often experience one kind of it and then there's the I would put it quote unquote more severe kind where DID develops and um, I was like okay well I'm a borderline and I definitely seem to be experiencing that one type of structural dissociation um, I don't know if I'm experiencing the other type, but then I started reading up on experiences about people with DID and I started questioning myself and I started like self-analyzing and, and thinking, oh, okay, uh, I have this and that, or and what the fuck does that mean? Uh, because apparently it doesn't seem to be a normal experience. <laughs> oh, so can you describe your experiences? Um. Can you be more specific with that question? Yeah. So what exactly happens that you would say this is um, an experience of the this type of disassociation? Um, well, throughout the day, I often have brief periods of dissociation where I just, like just today I've experienced it like four or five times, I don't know, where I just randomly zoned out and I haven't had... I, I, I've had no idea why. Uh, oh, another another good example would be um, I went grocery shopping today um, and, um, well, I went into the store and I got some stuff and I went out of the store and, and looked at my back and I was like, well, how did <laughs> that end up in there? I briefly remember standing in front of it and thinking, hmm, I might buy it. But then apparently... I put it in the bag and I just I just didn't remember that I did that. Um, and Does that mean you paid for it or you didn't pay for it? Oh, I paid for it. Okay. But, <laughs> but you I, don't remember paying pay for it. it. But I just didn't remember putting it in the bag because I didn't remember wanting want, – I, I didn't want to buy this. But apparently okay. an, another altar of me wanted to buy it. So they just jumped in and put it in the bag apparently. Wow. And so is – so, and you're saying there's two different types. So, what's the type that borderline has, as uh, opposed to the DID? 
honestly, I can't tell you right now. I'd, I'd have to look it up again because I, I can't remember the theory about it at the moment. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's interesting. I didn't know that. So you felt that you had um, you were disassociating. So then you've you've gone and um, sought more uh, psychiatric treatment, or or what's happened there? You've you've looked for more treatment. Uh, in I think March this year, I've started a, a trauma group therapy. Um, I was on the waiting list for that for like two years, um, and they want to actually evaluate me for for DID and also for uh they 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 can give me an actual NPD diagnosis um yeah so what's what's this group like what what do they do um to treat or to help with trauma well it's it's kind of difficult to tell at this point because it's still like like we we basically just started well i mean okay it's been it's been like 3 no, sorry, in, in April it started. It's been like two months already, but um, it's so far it's it's quite different to the DBT group I've had before because the DBT group, as I've mentioned before, they, they had a lot of structure and the trauma group now doesn't really have that much structure and we just kind of loosely talk about, like the idea behind is that um, the patients in the group uh kind of make the the therapy like we we kind of just talk about what you need yeah on the day yeah usually start with like um okay we we sometimes start with a mindfulness exercise that's there as well but and and then we talk about like how are we present in the in, in this very moment? How, how are we here? Are we feeling happy? Are we feeling sad? Whatever. And then uh, the actual <laughs> therapy starts and um, we just kind of talk about topics that we want to talk about. I don't know. It, it's very loosely structured, I would say. Mm-hmm. So how many people are in this one? We're actually pretty large. We're like 10, 11, 12 people probably. Okay. And do, do you feel that it's a, a very different um, collection of people compared to your previous group or, or are they sort of fairly similar? Mm, well, a lot of them are pretty old. They, they, they are older than the previous group. And, I, yeah, I do feel like they're different people uh, compared to the other one. And what's it like hearing their trauma that – that might be quite difficult. <laughs> oh, um, well, that's actually a topic we've discussed twice already in the group. Um, yeah. And how far is it okay to talk about your own trauma and, and how far do you have to consider like how triggering it is for other people? And it, this is a very thin line. Um, and this is one of the things we are currently trying to learn in that group. Yeah, I imagine that'd be really, really hard. Oh yeah, it is. Like I frequently go out of there, and I'm like, okay, fuck, I've got, I've got triggered, and now I just kind of have to, I don't know, hide in the bathroom for an hour or something, and 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 play yeah. a game on my phone, so so I can distract myself from this this horrible life of mine. <laughs> oh, is that because you've heard other people's? stories or because you've talked about your own or 
Um, yeah, it's it's mostly because um, I, um, it's it, so far it's been mostly because uh, I've heard other people's stories. Um, like just this week, it was because I've heard someone else talk about their story, and also because I shared some of my own. Um, but uh, like we are we are actually yeah again we're like trying to learn how to deal with that. We are <laughs> the, the the goal is not to walk out of there and be triggered and be like oh my god my life is so shit and sit in the bathroom for for an hour or something and and just just ponder about your your life choices uh, the the goal is to actually walk out of there and be like okay we talked about something triggering but 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 I'm fine now it's okay mm. yeah it's almost like yeah they're giving you every time it's uh an opportunity to learn how to experience that stuff and then how to manage it. Yeah, exactly. And actually, um, uh, I, I want to say in how far it relates to NPD um, because uh, <laughs> that's that's one of the first things I've noticed when I came in that group uh, when I when I joined that group. <laughs> um, uh, in in the first two sessions or so i realized oh okay well i'm behaving in a way right now that's very unauthentic and that just is aimed at giving me a lot of supply and oh, i was like what was it sorry can you describe what you were doing um well i was just i was just trying to impress people i was uh, i was i was i was talking of myself in a in a way that like make them like me and that made me the center of attention um mm -hmm. and then i then i like sitting in that group i realized that and i was like okay well i i guess this is not really the goal right now <laughs> I, I don't really want to like feed my my ego and my npd when i'm in that group i want to be authentic and whatever are you feeling that you're going more that way <sighs> Slightly, yeah. yeah. I mean, that'd be hard to learn to trust people, strangers, with really personal stuff. Yeah, definitely, it is. Um, and I'm still frequently catching myself, uh, like behaving in in, in ego boosting ways and just uh, telling half of the story and not being vulnerable and stuff like that. But I'm, I'm, I'm. Now that I'm aware of it, I'm trying to be better, um, and I'm, mm. I'm trying to not do that as much and not indulge in in these behaviors so much, and just be more vulnerable, but not in the bad way. <laughs> Is there a way that a therapist could assist you with doing that? Do you think? Mm. Well, the thing is, we in that group we do have uh face-to-face -face, uh sessions with uh therapists like there oh. are again two therapists leading that group um uh, but the problem is it's it's only like uh one session in in two months or something so that is definitely not enough and i would actually have to look for another therapist that does face-to-face -face sessions like one-on-one -on -one sessions um but but i haven't just i i just haven't started doing that yet okay well about being vulnerable i how are you with crying in front of other people can huh. you do that 
Mm, well, um, I actually have to say that in, in this case, my borderline assists me because. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. You feel that? Yeah, I feel that. So, like, you're able to cry and let it out. Yeah, if my ten, if my inner tension is high enough, I'm, I, I'm like, fuck everything. I don't give a shit about you all. I'm, I don't give a shit about anything right now. I'm just gonna fucking cry. I don't care. Are you? Do you find that you've cried more than other people around you? Is that like something you've had in your life? Because I definitely did. Oh yeah, definitely. But that's oh great. really? Yeah. 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 Okay, did you get to the point where you've got eye drops in your bag <laughs> so that you can pull them out and go, my eyes like I look like two tomatoes, they're that red, and I'm going to put eye drops in? I've never even considered doing that, honestly. <laughs> you, you're giving me ideas right now. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm talking about in a work context. So you can go, right, I've got to look professional. I'm going to come, <laughs> come out from the back now and put the eye drops in. I'm going to get back into it. Uh, yeah. Oh, my mm. God, I have to start doing it. <laughs> if, so if you've done that in front of the groups, have you felt okay about the response from the other participants when you've cried? Oh, you mean if I've cr cried in the group therapy? Yeah, have you cried in front of them? Um, I'm trying to think about it right now. Uh, not in the current group, but I think I've did it like once in the other group. But I've, but but uh, there, like my tension wasn't high enough, so that I was like, "Fuck it, I don't give a shit. I just." I just I just tried to hide it still and, and then went out of the room for like five minutes or something. Okay. Did people cry? I mean, if it was structured, maybe it, it wouldn't be like quite as appropriate. Um, that's a good question. I, I No, I don't think so. Yeah, I guess in a group with trauma, yeah, that'd be, and people hearing these really quiet stories. Yeah, Just this week, actually, in in this week's session, we had someone uh, who ha she she had to go out during the session uh, and cry because I don't know she got triggered. I guess. Yeah, I think I'd be sitting there with big old tears rolling down my face. They must have a good tissue supply, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, I think they do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're in the trauma group. So are you looking to do anything else as well in the future um, to deal with <laughs> your issues? Well, I'm actually still seeing my old therapist. Okay, so it's a bit of a backstory. Like when I moved to the city I'm currently living in, uh, that was, I think, three and a half years ago, I did look for a therapist and I found one uh, just, just around the corner, actually. Like it's a five-minute foot walk from here. <laughs> um And we got along pretty well, but uh, we got to a point where he was like, okay, um, we can't continue regular therapy anymore because uh, I'm not feeling confident enough to deal with your underlying issues. And I think that's a pretty strong statement for a therapist to say. Yeah. And I'm the, the thing is, I'm still seeing him, but 
uh, on a very irregular basis. Like I'm seeing him once every two months or something like that. Uh, and that's, that is possible actually without doing uh, a regular therapy. Uh. What about, did you feel, did you agree with him when he said that or, or had you felt that something was missing in the therapy? Cause yeah, um, that is a pretty strong statement. Uh, at the point where he said it, I was actually like, I hadn't done DBT at this point. So I was like, oh my God, this is horrible. I'm, I'm, I'm a horrible person and whatever. Yeah. And, and I also thought very, very dismissively about him. I was like, okay, this motherfucker, this, this piece of shit, why is he saying that he's, he's probably lying to me or whatever. <laughs> um, but like looking back, and actually, like a day or two days later, I was like, "Yeah, okay, that's that's actually, I, I respect that. I respect that a therapist is able to say this." Was he able to refer you to someone though? Uh, well, he has given me the homework uh, of looking for a specific, uh, a, a special a specialist, trauma, a, a trauma therapist. Okay. Um, and I haven't, again, I haven't done it yet, <laughs> but, but I really should start doing that. But well, <laughs> yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's quite a daunting thing to try to find the right person. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are there, are there ones who, who's, you know, who advertise or how do you go about finding them? Oh, well, um, both my old therapist and the uh the ambulance where i'm doing the trauma group therapy um they've like already given given me a list of therapists that that i could technically call but uh, it's it's very like it's a daunting task for me to do and it's 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 mm. annoying. i hate calling therapists i hate calling psychiatrists it's i i just fucking hated it because i don't know and like i'm i actually like I either would like to go to a psychoanalyst or something like that. I would re what I would really like to do uh, is uh, schema therapy or whatever it's okay. called. Um, and like, I could also go to an EMDR uh, therapist if you know about that. Are they available to you where you live? Uh, yeah, they are. There are ones around here. I just oh, okay. around to calling them. But yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, and um, you feel that schema therapy would be really helpful? I yeah, I would really like to do it. I'm very interested in it. Okay. Have you found any other resources that have been helpful for you? Mm, what do you mean with that? Well, what kinds of things have helped you on your journey? Have you found online resources or any books or anything uh, that you found useful or any YouTube channels? Psychedelics. <laughs> Psychedelics. Okay, so how have they helped? Well, um, I, I went on to my first, uh, I think, mushroom trip. It was when I was 18 and when mm -hmm. I was still unaware of quite a few conditions I had like I knew I had borderline I knew I was like depressed and something like that but but I didn't know I was narcissistic I didn't know about the DID and shit um but it like that should really 
I would say it really turned my life around for a bit. Um, wow. I think it, like, what it mostly did was uh, help me out of my suicidality. Um, and, like, it, it just made me realize how amazing life can be and how beautiful and that I actually would like to stay alive for a bit longer and just see a ton of things like I, I want to travel and I want to see the world and I want to go to different places and I want to talk to different people and get to know them and I just want to experience a lot of stuff and uh, I think so you saw all this while you were tripping it gave you these feelings yeah, sort of, sort of. Yeah, it, it like it showed me uh, the uh, the 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 deepest depths of of my own psyche, but it, it also showed me how, <laughs> yeah, just just how 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 beautiful life can be. I don't know how to put it differently, but oh, that's amazing. So it's like, on one hand, you saw the complexity and depth within yourself, yeah, and at the same time, you saw it within the world. Yes, yes, definitely, oh. and and that that was honestly like my first mushroom trip was was I don't know I I, I would I I I actually don't know if I would still be here without it. Really? Yeah. So was it instant, like you came out of the trip and you already felt different about the world and you kept that feeling? Yeah, actually, the first time, yeah, I would say that. Um, I, I came out of the trip and I was like, oh, my God, I was missing out on so much in my life and, and I can't believe how beautiful everything is and why the fuck do I want to die again? <laughs> Wow. The thing was, it didn't last for long. The afterglow lasted for like maybe two or three days. And uh, I was also tripping uh, when I was still living in my parents' house. So that wasn't the best setting. <laughs> Bit awkward. Yeah, definitely. But then were you able to hang on to that memory and then go, I want to find this again? Is that is that how it was? Yeah, actually. Yeah. I've. Honestly, I've never really thought about that, but now that you mention it, I yeah, I think that's something that's uh, kept itself over the last few years. And then, so you've had few uh, further uh, trips that were really beneficial as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, I did. Um, I mean, I've done uh, MDMA a couple of times. Uh, I've done acid a couple of times. Um, I think uh, I think the the MDMA trips I've done so far, except for one, uh, they were pretty fucking helpful as well, because I've done I've I've actually done them in attempt of uh, doing trauma therapy on myself, which was oh, a bit so yeah, you've gone into it going, this is my intention for what's about to happen. Yeah, exactly. Like I've uh, do you know about uh, that that MDMA is being used for treating PTSD patients. No. Oh, okay. Um. So I think in the US there are still clinical trials going on that uh, want to allow MDMA therapy and like regular psychotherapy for treating PD, uh, PTSD and whatnot. Uh, I'm I don't know about the the newest <laughs> news about this. Um. 
but like I was like, oh my god, that is so interesting. I I didn't know that that a drug could do this. It could break down all your fucking barriers, so you can actually venture into the darkest pits of your own mind and and discover all this trauma that you had and break down the dissociative barriers and and shit like that. And so I started educating myself about it. And um, yeah, the the first times i've done mdma i've i've done it with purely the intention of uh wanting to do that trauma therapy bullshit and uh and what what insights did you get from those trips <laughs> um well for the most part that i was raped <laughs> oh okay so it's returned some memories to you yeah uh, oh. it opened the trauma chest in my the, the trauma box in my brain and um it it made me realize that I got sexually abused. I didn't know about that before. I knew I had issues when it comes to to sexuality and stuff like that, but I didn't know about being fucking raped. Um <laughs> how did you go though then getting these memories back and not necessarily having um, structure around you to support you with them well um that's the part where i would say uh i was pretty naive about this uh because i uh, oh boy especially like my second mdma trip i did like my first one i did um s- still living at my parents house but the second one i did it after i've moved out uh so i i i had moved out i had just started living in this new city and I randomly decide, hey, let's take MDMA. What could go wrong uh, with the intention of, of doing like trauma therapy? And I didn't have, a, I, at that point, I didn't have a lot of friends. Um, mm. But uh, I wasn't prepared for what would be coming after that trip. Yeah. How did you get through that period? Well, I guess it was it was a stubbornness, a, a will to to be alive, a stupid stubborn will to be alive, and and also like just just this mindset of no, I'm not gonna give up right now. It's just it's just all in my mind. It's just all mm. in my. Mind. It's not reality at this moment. Mm, that's awesome. <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Stubbornness is awesome. <laughs> it can be. Yeah. 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 And that's what drives you through, I think. Yeah. I I'm think very, people very yeah. good on you. I think, yeah, it that's what drives people to heal too, is to go, I'm not going to be like this forever. I refuse to accept this as my life. I'm going to go forward and I'm going to keep looking and I'm going to keep trying things. Um, until I find what works. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Mm. that's also a, a mindset that's really keeping me alive and breathing. I guess. Yeah. And so, further, have you had further trips since then that that have given you other revelations, or those were the the most recent ones? Well, my most recent one was actually uh, just a few weeks ago uh, where I've done MDMA at a party for the first time in my life. I think it's so funny because most people uh, who do MDMA or 
whatever they um they they do it in party settings at first and and then they probably discover oh you can treat trauma of that and <laughs> for me <laughs> the other way around <laughs> so you went oh this can be fun yeah exactly i was like oh wow okay but actually oh no i i'm just remembering right now um i've i've actually managed it to have a bad trip on mdma was that at the party oh uh, no it wasn't it was my first time oh okay um I, I again as i've mentioned already i've done it when i was still living at my parents place um and Oh boy, it wasn't a good setting. I was like very, very, very happy for half an hour. And then after that, I just crashed and I had no fucking idea why, but I just started feeling so bad. And I mm. thought, oh my God, I'm never going to be happy again. This is it. Holy fucking shit. <laughs> wow. That would have been really difficult to go through. Yeah, it was. And that uh, when I was experiencing that, I had no fucking clue what's going on, but looking back i can i think i can explain it now yeah which would be the memories um yeah i think i just have a lot of traumatic memories that tried to come up during this trip and i didn't let it because i wasn't prepared for it and it was like no i just i just want to try out how this how this works and i just want to have fun i don't i don't fucking want to deal with my trauma right now mm. and that's and i think what made me feel very bad during during the rest of the trip right i do think though like talking to people it sounds like um they they may go in and their mind is is in a way ready to start dealing with stuff so it's ready to start opening those doors even when it's hard uh and people do they do open doors on these trips and really discover some incredible things. Yeah, definitely. And and I think, you know, part of them is ready. Yeah. Even if you can't deal with it all at once, just those first steps, you know, they might seem small, but when you look back, they've they've had a really big effect. And they're yeah. the start of some some deep changes. <laughs> yep. Um I think the thing with these types of trips is that you you only ever like realize how much of an in impact it had when you look back at it two years later or something. Okay. Hmm. So the future for you then is looking for um, a specialist therapist for the trauma. Yeah, I should. Do yeah. That. Thanks okay. for <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me to call you tomorrow and say start looking? <laughs> You can do that if you want to, but it won't have any effect if you do it when it's like 12 p.m. for me. <laughs> they might not be answering the phone. Oh, maybe. I don't know. Hmm. Uh, um, since we were talking about DID in the beginning, I have to uh, – I can can I give another example of what it feels like because you were asking? Yeah, sure. That? Yep. So basically um, – on some days I will wake up and I will feel like a completely different person, but it's not like, uh, it, it's not a thing of, Oh, you know, I've had like eight hours of sleep and I feel completely refreshed and like, like newly born. No, it's like a completely different body feeling. It's, it's like, okay, 
my my arms they feel different and my feet they feel different and and everything is just is just kind of different and i it's very hard to put into words if you don't experience it yourself but i don't know how to explain it better but it's just like okay so what the fuck is going on why why do i feel so different why do i suddenly have different thoughts different different feelings about things and different opinions and well i guess the answer to that is because another altar is fronting at the moment and you the host are just like co-conscious um and you're like so so you're like semi semi-conscious with with the other altar and but they are mostly in charge at that moment and so so they are in control of the body and that's why you feel completely fucking different um and yeah <laughs> yeah i've heard things like this before do oh, you yeah. yeah um and it's definitely something i've heard to do with um npd and aspd where oh. people feel that um and you see, for me, with borderline, I was just, I always felt like me, but incredibly without structure, which was very, very terrifying. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I just, to me, it sounds like the borderline changeability, but without that um, internal connection to the feelings, so that then in your different moods, you feel like a different person and there's not the stitching inside at the very core that stitches them all together yeah that's a very good description of it actually like okay also like i've also heard people with did uh before describe it as it feels like uh you have a very very strong feeling but that feeling is like has its own personality <laughs> oh um but so it takes you over but it's not you yeah, it's like me, but not me, and I know that, but it feels oh. so, so strange. And and actually, like I get these switches like on a not on a day to day basis, but pretty frequently, where I just randomly like, as I mentioned already, like I I would zone out and I would dissociate for a bit, and then I I would start feeling like a completely different person, like I don't know, with a different body feeling and everything and like wow. and stuff and uh, the thing also is like um when there are when there are multiple alters um uh at, at front or co-conscious um and they can have they 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 do have different opinions about different things so like when i'm trying to decide on something uh it can happen that i just don't know what to do because there are different voices in my head that tell me just different things that I should do and I'm like oh my god I'm, I'm overwhelmed right now I have no fucking idea what I want to do because apparently I want to do everything but but I can't fucking decide oh and this to me rings a bell too I know I couldn't decide with the BPD um and then um actually the therapist spent a long time with me sort of talking about um, having different parts of you in opposition and after a while I did start to feel that there was a cohesive whole but that I could feel you know that that it's natural to have a number of facets and they can have different you know you can feel different ways about the same thing because and I guess life is very complex so actually 
you know, most things have different facets to them that you yeah. can feel differently about. Yeah. But yeah, and the other thing um, is it took me about two or three years and then I noticed I was absorbing other people's feelings as well and I couldn't tell the difference between theirs and mine. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. yeah, which I think was a real borderline thing. Oh, yeah, but I, know. I definitely know that. <laughs> you know that? Yeah, where you spend time with people, then you come away and you go, I think completely fucking differently to I did before oh, I talked yeah. to that person. And then it's it's quite distressing because you think, well, what is right? I don't even know. I'm so confused. Honestly, at this point, this fucks me up because I'm like, I'm getting angry about that because I'm like, when I walk out of this out of a situation of where I was talking to someone and uh, during that conversation, I was like, yeah, I definitely agree with you. Oh, yeah, this is great. And yeah. then afterwards, I'm thinking, what the fuck was I talking about? Like, I don't agree with this person at all. Why? Like, at this point, it just fucking pisses me off because uh, it, to, me, to me, it feels like defeat. To me, it feels like I let this other person control my, my opinions and my behavior. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that would make talking to other people a challenge because you wonder, yeah, are they going to have too much of an impact? Yeah, kind of. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, um, I've only discovered that I have NPD or narcissistic traits when I, like, last year, uh, shortly after my father died. Um, so I'm not on, on that, I'm on that journey for not too long. Um, mm-hmm. And I've only ever started wanting to get better when it comes to that, like, three or four months ago um, when I had this narcissistic injury. Um, and... Uh, up until that point i just didn't really care about that but but now it just it just makes me fucking angry (laughs) i have frequent periods uh, where i just think to myself maybe i should just fucking isolate myself from everyone because what's the fucking point anyway i have to do my own work and i have to do my my in my inner healing shit and uh other, other people just fucking disturb me whilst doing that Mm, that's very common too if you have a, an injury or a collapse to then afterwards want to isolate because you really doubt the benefit of interactions with other people. Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah. Can I ask you what the narcissistic injury was or is that too hard to talk about? Oh, no, it's fine. Um. So uh, I was having like I was in in a sort of weird relationship with someone uh, we were trying to do a, a poly thing uh, for about a year um, and the thing was this person was really really obsessed with me and it was your typical narcissist uh, codependent relationship where uh, I yeah. as Lark was like I was appreciated and I was I, I was being sought after um, and the codependent, like the, the other person, they just, um, well, sh- uh, she was just very obsessed with me and, and she wanted to see me all the fucking time. And that was too much for me. Um, and it, it didn't, it didn't end well, but it also didn't end in shambles. Um, but like, I would say about two months ago. Uh, yeah. It, 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 it was two months ago. Um, she just ended it 
because uh, like <laughs> it it was at, at that point it had become pretty fucking toxic and unhealthy for both of us. Um, and well, that really threw me off track because I couldn't fucking believe that someone who was so obsessed with me and who was dying to get my attention cut ties with me. And at the same time, uh, like uh, from the beginning of this year uh, on, I've had a conflict going on with my best friend. Um, and uh, at, at the same time where uh, my ex-partner uh, cut ties with me, our conflict escalated, like the, the conflict with my best friend. And <laughs> well, it was yeah. a handle. <laughs> mm. It's those rejections by other people that just drive that knife in. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's just like so bad. Yeah. Mm. Like, yeah. Felt- yep. Totally. I, I relate. Yeah. Oh, you mm. do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The biggest trigger in the world. Oh, yeah, definitely. Mm. Especially if someone who was giving you so much narcissistic supply just 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 randomly no not randomly but they 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 say you know I think you're not safe for me uh, anymore and yeah let's just end it. <laughs> Did they have they fully broken it off? Yeah, um, we are not having any. We, we haven't had any contact since two months. I mean, I've seen them. Uh, in, in person like a few days ago um wow how was that <sighs> awkward <laughs> we yeah. didn't um we just uh looked at each other and regis- registered each other and uh then went our own way but uh, it was very awkward because there there are still things that i think that would need to be talked about but yeah <laughs> Uh, other cluster bees can so get under your skin, can't they? And it's your whole, the validity of your whole being that you feel is oh, is on the line. Yeah, yeah. And definitely. then, yeah, it's just hanging in the air and it just eats you up <laughs> oh, that yeah. it's not resolved. Yeah. Oh, mm. uh, yeah, I feel you there. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Um, and like when I was having this narcissistic injury or a collapse, I don't know uh, what it was, uh, but, but something like that, uh, I was actually like, I went, I went back on the suicidality really hard and I've had days where I was like, I'm like, I've realized that at the core of everything for me, there is just shame, like this existential fundamental shame. Like I'm mm-hmm. ashamed about everything. I'm ashamed about my own existence. And I was like, I'm I'm too fucking ashamed of myself to live. I should actually just fucking die. But also if I were to die, then everybody would fucking miss out on me. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's interesting. Two sides. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But, yeah, I relate to the shame too. Hmm. Oh, you feel it too. Yeah, and it's funny because when I had my first kid, um, I would look in their eyes and I would just go right back to being very, very small and just feel disgusting, like I was disgusting and horrific and a cringy little thing. 
Oh like God. it was so overwhelming and I couldn't bear to look in their eyes a lot, oh, wow. which is, yeah, it's really bad. But it, it was like um, the passage of time was ripped away and mm-hmm. I was just looking straight into them, into what it was like. And, and, I, and I felt like how could I give them any joy because this point in life, their mm-hmm. point of that, you know, infancy is horrible. Yeah. Um, and even when they're a toddler and a, a young kid, I just felt there's nothing good about this stage of life. And I don't want to look at them because I don't want to feel that, but I don't want them to look in my eyes and see the horror that I feel. Um, and so I would, I just arranged to have, you know, my partner's family who's very positive around them and hopefully give them a lot of what I couldn't. But, yeah, I just, yeah, I felt radioactive, contagious, disgusting, repulsive. That's that's how I felt about me, yeah. And I thought this is, I think this is, you know, that, that way that you can feel if you've been profoundly rejected. You know, it's right at that core. Have, yeah. Do you feel like you've managed to give them a better childhood than you had? Yeah, they don't have a PD, um, and it's been a little bit bumpy, but it's okay now because um, they're um, late teens. So, <laughs> and and actually, I've found that easier once they're less dependent on me, and yeah. we can relate as adults. I'm better able to talk to them. Um, so, yeah, I feel like a little bit of a failure as a parent, but on the other hand, they're not as badly off as I was. So I, I have to take that as – Well, that's um, a big, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was pretty fucked up by then and crying a lot in my room on my own and, yeah, oh, shit yeah, like that. Bit. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. And I try and I tell them I love them and give them a hug and – stuff but yeah I'm still kind of uh uh, probably too distant I would say but yeah yeah it's big shit to deal with isn't it yeah yeah Mm. I mean I wonder I wonder whether we are born with this shame yeah it's just exaggerated by uh external factors um yeah develops uh, that leads us to develop NPD and shit like that or if, if the shame isn't there when we are born yeah that's a good question and do we have you know do we have experiences with caregivers who go nah you're fine as you are and then we go well if you like me then I like me or do we have ones that go Ugh, no don't like that and then we go well actually you're right you know, I thought it was pretty bad and you're confirming it. Yeah. You know, or do we absorb, I mean, yeah, or, or do we absorb it from them and maybe they feel ashamed inside themselves? I don't know. Um, a good friend oh. of mine whom I called when I was pretty suicidal shortly after my NARC collapse Um uh, I, I told him, oh my God, I'm so fucking ashamed of myself. I'm, 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 I'm feeling so ashamed of myself that I want to die because I'm so ashamed of my own existence. And he was like, he told me something very valuable. Uh, he told me, well, you shouldn't be ashamed of yourself. 
your parents should be ashamed of themselves for not providing you with whatever you needed as a kid. And I was like, fuck yeah, you're right, dude. Mm. And that really helped you? Yeah, in, in that moment, it really helped me. Mm-hmm. And you say so you feel it me realize yeah. that it wasn't it made me realize that it's probably not my own shame that I'm carrying, you know you know what oh, I mean? Like that it's, yeah. It's their issues. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. And did you feel different after after that comment? Were you able to more uh, feel better about the shame or I cried. I was in a store. I was in a grocery store and I started crying. Don't worry. I've done that too. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. More times than I can count. More times than oh, I Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Or just what about crying in public because I'm like, fuck it. Yeah. What about on public transport? On public. Um, yeah. <laughs> <from that>. Pretty <laughs> oh god all right um should we leave it there now i've just really gotten into the conversation yeah you have oh yeah but i really need to go to sleep now but i would yeah delighted to uh talk to you again actually that's fine okay yeah yeah no that's really interesting and i haven't really talked about shame this deeply with anyone else oh really yeah. But that's a really interesting topic. It is, isn't it? And because, a really, really important one. Yeah, exactly. Because, well, I feel like that's pretty much what makes our NPD um, shame. Because shame yeah. is for everything. And it, it runs through every vein we have, through every blood vessel. Mm. Um, really, when I'm... When nowadays, when I'm having like very excessive, exaggerated negative feelings, um, uh, if I sit down and, and try to analyze them, I always find shame there un- under them. Like it's it's actually okay. it's frequently blowing my mind. Yeah, and, and crying. Yeah. Oh, okay, so and you cry and then you get some relief or, or not at all. What what happens? Well, you know, I don't always cry. Sometimes I do if I'm really feeling it, but uh, I don't always – how do I put that? I don't always get to that emotion that deeply so that it makes me cry, but, but sometimes it does and then I have to – then I'm remembering everything from my childhood and stuff like that. And yeah, I don't know. It's just, then I'm remembering the situation that made me feel so fucking ashamed of myself as a kid that I was like, Mm. I just don't want to be here anymore. Yeah. And that makes me cry. Mm. I think it's good to get in touch with it though, even though it's really shit. Definitely. In those, yeah, those stages of really confronting it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like <laughs> um, that that might be. I might be wrong with this, but I've kind of started developing the mindset that if I can deal with this shame, um, and if I can allow myself to feel it, and if I can. Uh, let other like allow myself to let others see it 
then that's for me the best way to deal with NPD. Mm. Yeah, because I think so many of the behaviors are trying to hide the shame from other people. Yeah, exactly. But isn't that exactly what what our behaviors are doing? Like our unhealthy ones. So <laughs> uh, you feel that that's what you've done in the past. Sorry. You feel that you've done that in the past, that your behaviours have been covering up the shame? Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, looking back, I can – I mean, it might be it might be because I'm, I'm really into this topic at the moment, but I feel like looking back, I can, I can see it pretty much everywhere. Mm-hmm. And you've had then – so you told your friend when you were suicidal. Have you had other times when you've – shared this or been open about this shame with other people yeah um the conflict with my best friend i um we actually resolved it because i allowed myself to feel the shame and because i allowed myself to make her see that shame um because that was the <laughs> i don't know how to put it but but that was a moment where i was actually on par with her and and we were talking on on equal footing, and I've never really consciously done that before. Uh, so that was a really fucking big step for me, and it was just maybe a month ago or something like that. But ever since then, I I, I don't know. It it might sound insane, but ever since then, our relationship has improved by like two hundred percent, and it's actually it's fucking amazing. <laughs> wow. Are, are you saying that previously you felt superior to her? Yeah, definitely. Ah. Uh, before that, um, I either always felt superior to uh, everyone or I've, like, felt de- – uh, what's the opposite of it? I can't think yeah, of it. Yeah, inferior. Inferior, exactly, yeah. Oh, that's very NPD. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then t- you felt – on an equal footing and because of that you're able to be open or you're open and that made you feel like you're on an equal footing? Um, well, I think the fact that I showed her my shame made us be uh, on an equal footing and that well, that made it possible for us to actually talk uh, uh, on an equal footing like and, and like just just on the same level and not me being absolutely fucking superior to her and being like oh you you naive little girl you i don't know you will see that i'm right in the future or some shit like that. Mm. wow so it's really really been beneficial because your relationship is improving oh yeah definitely it really fucking did and i'm uh i'm very happy about it wow that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow, Mole, this has been a really interesting chat and I'm so glad you brought up the topic of shame, which is uh, I think just right at the core of so many PDs. Uh, I can't wait to talk to you again. Thank you for being on the pod. Well, thank you too. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs>